It's almost time, kids. The clock is ticking. Be in front of your TV sets for the horathon, and remember the big giveaway at nine. Don't miss it, and don't forget to wear your masks. The clock is ticking. It's almost time. Happy Welcome to the Film Effect Podcast, where we take all things film to full effect. My name's Ed, next to me is my cinematic life mate, Sean. Good morning, Film Effects. And before we jump into three days until Halloween, I want to let you guys know that our ever-growing collection of previous episodes can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Google, and wherever else you enjoy your favorite shows. You can find breaking news, schedule updates, and all things Film Effect related on all of our glorious social media pages. Sean, what is the handle of our Facebook and Instagram? The Film Effect Podcast. How about that, Twitter? Film Effect Pod. And for all other inquiries, including requests or anything else to do with the Film Effect, what is our email? The Film Effect Podcast at gmail.com. All right. Let's do some shout outs. Shout out to his family. This week I wanted to shout out what's your favorite scary movie because they are covering Cabin in the Woods this week. <laughs> a film we covered recently here on the show. Go and check out what they have to say about it and then come back and uh, see what we had to say on ours. How's that sound, guys? Or the other way around. That works. Uh, best film ever. Thanks for the shout outs and love on their show. And really needs to sit down and watch Heat. Cannot believe that man's never seen Heat before. Oh, really? Yeah. Did he listen to the episode and admit he hadn't seen it? No, he's not going to listen until he's until seen he's it. Until he's seen yeah, it. Yeah, the other way around. <laughs> well, smart move. Yeah. Spoil the shit out of it for him. <laughs> nah. Uh, Spy Hards, they're covering Argo this week, so I got one thing to say to them. Argo, fuck yourself. Effing nerds for the support and also fans of A Quiet Place 2. Cicadas, all fucking no shut up Paul Griff, friends of the podcast for the support. And finally, film vloggers for also their support. Newer friends of the podcast. Uh, this week, we are currently charting 127th in Ireland, 156th in Hong Kong, and we're still up there, 57th in Nigeria. So hmm. thanks to you guys for your ears. <clears throat> All right, it's current events. Um, do you know you and I were almost at 20 episodes together? Mm, Just us. Speaking speaking of heat, that's where it all began. Yeah, yeah, sounds about right. I think this is episode 17 together. It's crazy. Yep. Um, also want to let you guys know the other day I posted it. Well, it'll be the other day when you guys hear this episode. I actually posted it this morning. Um, Twitter drawing for June. Guys, 
start following us on Twitter. At the end of the month, we're going to be picking three of our people that follow us. One's going to get a t-shirt. One's going to get a nine-film digital Planet of the Apes collection. Mm. And the third person is going to get a prize to be announced. So get on that, guys. Really want to get some more followers on there, and I uh, figured this would be a nice incentive to uh, get your asses on there and tweet with us, if, if you will. And with the day that's recording being June 1st, just wanted to personally shout out um, Happy Pride Month. We will always continue to be big-time supporters of the LBGTQ community. Other than that, let's get the weekly recommends. What would you get for a six-year-old boy who chronically wets his bed? You got one? Um... I don't know why, but I wound up reading some trivia on Robert Altman's Popeye this morning before you got here. Okay. And I forgot how unique and fun that film was. I mean, it's product of its time for the 80s. Um, I distinctly remember it being one of the first films I saw in the theater. My dad taking me to the senator, uh-huh. and I actually had my little sailor hat. My, my pop had given my grandfather give me a little corn cob pipe. <laughs> and I had my little Popeye ringer t-shirt. I was like six, you know. Right. And I remember like we're going up to get line, and everybody's like they're not laughing or just but they're just like applauding at how you know, cute I was. But it was, it was an interesting little read about how he built that whole town in Malta. But apparently there was some like um there's an original cut that Robert Evans went bonkers over when when Altman sent the you know the rough cut back right. to the studio because like he literally had almost no Popeye in the fucking film so I'm curious as to what that story was all about and what Altman was thinking really you know? yeah yeah I mean the guy I knew they filmed in Malta it's you know been yeah, it's, I've it's never it's, seen 1980s Popeye <laughs> it's I mean it's Robin Williams it's Robin Williams and Shelley Long right yeah, yeah it was his, literally his very very first like vehicle his first starring role he had a small part in um, anthology called Can I Do It Till I Need Glasses like a little late 70s comedy right like, sketch comedy film um, but yeah Popeye's the one that blew it up for him um but yeah, it's it's interesting because like he wanted to film over there, obviously for the aesthetic, because it looks like no other place in the world. But he also wanted to be as he knew he was going to go a little bonkers with it, and <laughs> as far away from Hollywood as it could possibly be, <laughs> so that they couldn't come in and reel him in. But I um, mean, he had the entire town of Sweet Haven built from scratch over the course of like seven months, and unlike you know just leaving that shit in the desert of Tunisia like Lucas did, where it's now just some random destination it's turned into an actual tourist attraction and theme park called Popeye Land which is pretty cool it's still getting some some legs after all these years I don't know why I brought that up but it's definitely you know it's a unique film and there's actually two instances one may get overdubbed but it's technically a Disney film and you can hear what was Paramount Disney was behind it a little bit though okay yeah and um he, he he says shit like during during a fight scene with Bluto, so it was in dubbed. The third act, they dub over it. They, 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 that one that one pushed through. There's another one when he jumps off the boat and you see him say it, but it's been like edited uh-huh. out. Right, right. But a lot of his dialogue had to be done in ADR because Altman insisted on like live recording on set, including them singing the song. So like the, you know, they recorded like that was his, what he wanted to do. And you know, right. Robert Altman, you don't tell him no, but because Williams was like. You know, obviously, he's got to get that, you know, that 
that Popeye voice down and he's got a pipe in his mouth the whole time. A lot of his dialogue was unintelligible because he's doing the character and it's coming out mumbled. So he had to do almost all his dialogue in ADR after <clears throat> post. Right. You know, and um, and sometimes it won't match the words. It'll look like you're watching, you know, uh, a Italian gore flick or a kung fu film. <laughs> but it's it's just a different feel. You know, it's just I, I want to go back and rewatch it again because I just I, I don't know. I always had that vivid memory of me being a little superstar out in front of the Senator Theater back in the spring of 1980. So I just was on my mind because I was reading that article when when you were coming in. So I got you. guys, check out Popeye, man. It's a pretty cool little film. It's <laughs> definitely unique product of its time. Um, for me this week, A Quiet Place Part Two. Yeah, I know you went and saw it. You said it's really good, huh? I'll say. I will tell you guys what I put on Facebook as soon as I walked out of the theater. Best sequel since The Dark Knight. Hands down. And we're talking like legit sequels to everything. All genres, just for film in general. For my money, there's not a better well-crafted made sequel out there since The Dark Knight than this film. John Krasinski. I don't know where this guy came from. Fucking Jim from The Office is like one of the best filmmakers out there right now after seeing this. Um, uh, you know, I only saw the first one once. I remember same here. It's bits and pieces. I didn't really like it. I saw it in the theater. I saw it. Um, yeah, I mean, we. I think we watched it when it hit. I don't think we. I think we watched it. When it I had like issues HBO or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I had issues with it, and I think that's kind of the reason why I haven't went back and revisited it. Um, Even before going into this one, you didn't watch. No, this I mean I had a pretty good idea of how it ended. I mean I remember. Yeah, Plus I watched a um, this guy's YouTuber I follow posted a little. He did like a little like uh, a tidy up. Yeah, like a, basically like twenty minutes. The movie like pretty recap. much condensed to twenty minutes yeah, for me. Recap. I, I yeah, like a recap exactly. Now, Krasinski's in it, even though his character. Uh, Krasinski's in it, but it's just like the trailer indicates. It, it's it's day one. It starts. You it's see that you see day the one beginning of mm-hmm. the whole thing. You and that's see, where his... this is how it starts because, like, mild, mild spoilers. If you don't even want to hear a mild spoiler, which is not really even spoiling the story itself, go along about a minute and a half to two minutes, guys. But um, it starts day one instead of the film because the fil- first film ended open, open ended with a cliffhanger, like it, not a cliffhanger, but it's suddenly cut when like. You think that the big climax is going to happen, like more the alien. They discover how to kill, so like more heading their way, and she chocks the gets the shotgun road ready, and then it just cuts. Yeah, that's, cuts. That, that's how the first it, one ends. I, 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 at the time, I thought, okay, that's ballsy, but now I'm angry. Right. At the same time, which is probably why maybe well, I didn't go back to it another time. The, the cliche thing to do, or the the expected thing, would be to pick open up, your film yeah, with that pickup. Right right. Nope. Film starts, you see the Paramount logo, and then day one. So you see, like, people before we get, we get to that, we'll go back to that. Right. But, but before uh, we get there, let's see how it gets there. Let's see how this all starts. We never up. saw that in the first film. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, just some already, random 200 day it started out. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're already a couple months in by the time you drop There's some in. nice little callbacks to the first film. Um, particularly in this opening day one sequence that I liked, I thought was tasteful. So he's only really in it for those few minutes in the beginning. It's an, it's kind of a long opening, honestly, really? but it's, he's in it, you know. Okay. I had a feeling, I mean, I knew, you know, 
Um, when they announced yeah, it, it's not like going to try to find his way in there. There's going to be more flashbacks um, and stuff, which is, I don't want to say cop-out, but it's really the only way you can pull it off in that, that type of and universe. I'm going to go on record here and say Killian Murphy's best role. I didn't know he was in it. Yeah, oh yeah, he's in it, all right. Really? Best, his best role. Really? And this is, this is, you know, obviously Scarecrow. Everything that he's been in, even Dunkirk, you know, even... Everything I've seen the man in, even as far back as 28 Days Later, mm-hmm. that was this is his best role. Huh, okay. And you watch it, and I guarantee, no, I almost guarantee you a lot of people are going to agree with me on that because he's, he's fucking great. He really is in this movie. Surprised the shit out of me. I mean, I'm not going to go to the theater, but... Um, but yeah, I, I went in... Expecting a one and done popcorn flick, and I came out almost applauding the screen when the end credits started the roll. So, satisfied. Got check it out, out, guys. A Quiet Place Part Two. It is fucking legit. So, previously on Halloween, Michael Myers escaped from Smith's Grove and unleashed a night of terror for the small town of Haddonfield, Illinois. Just when survivor Laurie Strode gets away, Michael tracks her down at the local Haddonfield Memorial Hospital and continues his reign of terrors. After finding out she's the sister of Myers, Laurie and Dr. Loomis defeat the homicidal maniac, but at the cost of Loomis's life in the process. Or was it? Let's dive into the movie, shall we? Mm-hmm. Here we go! We're moving away from Haddonfield for this episode and heading out west to Northern California in the town of Santa Mira to dive into the Irish origins of the Halloween holiday. You guys have your masks on for the big giveaway at nine? <laughs> well, this is Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. You don't really know much about Halloween. Halloween. The barriers will be down between the real and the unreal. And the dead might be looking in. The last great one took place 3,000 years ago when the hills ran red. Halloween, the children. You happen to know anything about this Cochrane? All I can tell you, mister, is watch out. Season He's watching you, friend, I guarantee you that. Trick or treat, trick or treat. Hey, Mr. Cochrane, just what is the final process? Fellas, I was just kidding. Witchcraft. To us, it was a way of controlling our environment. Hey! Where are they taking her? They're taking her to the factory. I want a mask. Can I have a mask? Uh, Just what I had in mind for you, little buddy. Why, Cockers? Why? Do I need a reason? I've got nothing here to indicate there was ever a body at all. Operator, this is an emergency. I do love a good joke, and this is the best ever. A joke on the children. I'm glad you'll be able to watch it. You've got to believe me. They're going to kill us. All of us. Stop it! The world's going to change tonight, Doctor. Happy Halloween. Stop it! Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, the night no one comes home. Season of the Witch. All right, it's your first time viewings. Uh, it's, it's just that 
You see, this is actually uh, my, my first time. No, no, my first, it's my first time uh, since my first time. So technically, that's my second time. And I don't, I don't, I don't want to suck at it. So if I'm not up to, um, well, I'd first time you would have been, you know, I was in probably. Uh, late elementary school based on the um, you know release date but I have a story that, that precludes that because I, rem I specifically remember speaking to a classmate on the school bus or whatever about we were talking about you know Halloween Michael Myers and whatnot. And another classmate chimes in and is like, oh, yeah, I just I just saw that. And and I'm going to give you a little spoiler about the ending. But he's talking about this Halloween movie he watched. And the guy's running down the hill and body parts are coming off the girl that's chasing him. I'm like, that's not a fucking Halloween movie, dude. We're talking about Michael Myers. And then, like, just a few days later, <laughs> I'm like, come across this Halloween 3 season of The Witch on, I don't know, Showtime or HBO. And my, you know, my parents were carte blanche. Were like, watch what you want to watch. It fucks you up. You're not, you know, you're you're not sleeping in our room, you know. And so I turned it on, expecting, you know, a third Michael Myers movie. Stuck with it because I was, you know, I was fucking nine. I was ten. I didn't, you know, know that I was getting into a, right. into arguably a, a, a C level movie at best. Right. Um. But then it got to that scene at the end. I had to go back to the kid in school later on. I'm like, all right, dude, you were kind of talking about a Halloween movie, but just not the one we were talking about. Yeah. Um. This was a nightmare theater film for me. Yeah. Um. I've said that enough on the show that people should know what that means by now. Saturday afternoon, two o'clock, channel fifty four. Yep, loved it. And I don't really have a memory of the whole no Michael Myers being in it, not being in it. Like it didn't really phase me when I was younger until I became more and more of a fan of the series in general. And then I was like, Well, there's a Halloween three film where it's just doesn't have Michael Myers and like that was just weird to this day it's still a bizarre thing yeah, to can, say yeah can we just retitle it at this point you've done that with several other movies like yeah after I mean the fact. but then you'll have no Halloween 3 true <laughs> but um I mean yeah uh, um and I, I like I said I, I I did not like this movie growing up for that reason yeah I held too. a grudge against this movie and it was the wrong thing because as I got older and I finally gave this film it's you know as we say it's day in court oh yeah this movie's fucking good um so yeah uh, this is my story time by the way <laughs> tell me a story wait like my story no not your story a story since you can't keep your mouth shut long enough for me to read my paper, tell me a story. I don't think I know any stories. You don't know any stories? No. All right, I'll tell you a story. This is a newspaper, right? It's 90% bullshit, but it's entertaining. That's why I read it, because it entertains me. You won't let me read it. So you entertain me with your bullshit. Tell me a story right now. Go. Like I said, I spent my whole entire childhood and young adulthood just completely discarding it and just just now it's it's that what it i dare me say it's one of my favorite entries of the halloween series and i thought i would never say those words you know not mine man no 
You have yeah. issues with this, huh? It's, I mean, yeah, we'll get into that as we get to okay. some of the spots that I have. I mean, it's it's okay. It's an early 80s horror movie schlock flick at its fucking best. But there's a lot of plot contrivances, a lot of shit that doesn't make sense when you when you look at it with even a slightly... It's fun. It's harmless. It's, it's not perfect. It's, no. I have issues with it myself. It's just, it, 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 if, <laughs> if ever the movie's going to movie, it's this fucking movie. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, with this being a Halloween flick, even though this category makes no sense, we're going to get to it anyway. Category that we call for this series of films, The Blackest Eyes, The Devil's Eyes. I met him 15 years ago. I, I was told there was nothing left. No reason, no uh, conscience, no understanding, and even the most rudimentary sense of life or death, of good or evil, right or wrong. I met this six-year-old child with this blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. I spent eight years so, trying to reach him. What is this movie and why the fuck is it here? And basically, John and Deborah at this point, you got, you know, your your urban yoblins and your, your Mustafa Akkad. And they want naturally a third Halloween film, it's, yeah, especially it's Mustafa. That was, man loves him some Halloween or right, loved he, him some Halloween films. Yeah, it was his license to print money. I said that before. He always knew that. And so when they were approached, Carpenter and Hill were like, "Nah, remember that idea we had for the last film that you guys didn't want to do it, didn't want to do, where it would not be a direct sequel. That's the only way we'll come back." Right, they wanted they wanted to get their anthology mm -hmm. idea off the ground, and this was their springboard. But John didn't want to direct this thing. No, he um, and John basically said, "Tommy Lee Wallace is the man for it," and he was also a guy who was really behind the idea of the, the sequels being anthologies. Um, so that's where Tommy Lee Wallace comes into this. Mm -hmm. Tommy Lee Wallace, who wrote and directed this, even though. I have an issue. I've always had an issue with him getting a sole writing credit because he is not the sole writer. The majority of this film that was written, it was actually used still from that said script, was from British science fiction uh, writer Nigel Neal. He wrote the original screenplay for this yeah. um, because Carpenter was uh, quite a mass fan of, uh, of his. So he didn't want to do a script that... He, did, he, he didn't want to include horror for horror's sake. The main story had to do with deception, psychological shocks rather than physical ones. Mm. Um, and then this is where uh, Dino De Laurentiis comes in. He did not care for this idea. Wanted more gore, more graphic violence. And while a lot of that plot remained, this is where Tommy Lee Wallace came in. Did a polish up on the script, changed a few things. But then in the end... Got the sole writing credit, and that's not right. Even Timothy Lee Wallace has a problem with that. But if you look it up, and that's why even when I do the the, the crew breakdown later on, it's gonna have just written written for the screen by Timothy Lee Wallace. Mm -hmm. Even though we we all know it should be from, it should be Roger Neal as well. So Tommy now on board. Um, Carpenter produced it with Deborah, and as well as music him and alan howarth uh did the film the music they returned from halloween 2 together 
That's why this is also very synth heavy. Yeah, it is um, very synth heavy. But this score, as opposed to your issues, Sean, with the second one score, I do feel this the score for part three is more fitting. It's, oh, film. I'll agree with that. Okay, yeah, it's one of the first notes I made. Much more fitting. Here. It's with with this story being told. And it's not your typical Halloween theme song being synth, but it's a synth theme. Right. It it makes more sense within the context of the film. So Don Post, Don Post of Post Studios, he already had the masks. He had two of the three masks already created, and he was selling them to the public for out of his shop. And they were the skull and the uh, the witch, the pumpkin mask, the jack o' lantern was made. Uh, specifically for this film, and Don Post was your guy back then. He man. was your guy back he then, was your exactly. Kind of like these days, it's Trick or Treat Studios. Forty years ago, it was Don Post. Yeah, and Don Post. Studios. Was, he was he was the guy you you wanted a Don Post mask for your Halloween costume if you were right. doing something you know off the wall and freaky. So they packed up. They got their budget together, two and a half million, like the, like the last films. I didn't know Post was involved with that, but it makes perfect sense yeah. when you look at when you look at the you know. The style of it. it was one of Mandy and I watched it last night, and she said, "You know, one of my favorite the old school latex masks. See, seeing these masks getting made, yeah, the exactly doing the she's tour." Like, she's like, "I think yep. this is my favorite part is watching them make the masks." Exactly. Um, the film itself also has a very heavy um, invasion of the body snatchers vibe to it, mm-hmm. and as yeah. far as they packed up, like I said, and they went up uh, to uh, Loleta, California. Same area that they shot the fog, mm. as well as uh, I believe the Howling had uh, certain shots uh, filmed in the area too. So, as for the film itself, let's jump into it, shall we? Mm-hmm. Here we go! All right. So the film starts with the traditional pumpkin intro that started off the first two movies. Only this time, it's in pixelated digital form. Yeah, I put down dot matrix jack o' lantern. That's <laughs> what it is. It's like being formed. On an old MS DOS, like fucking uh, old, old, like Tandy computer. And Mandy made a good point, which she liked is how, as their you know credits are coming up and they're forming the digital jack o' lantern, the score times with them are like erasing the, to, yes. erasing oh, the yeah. orange mm-hmm. lines it to create the, the black does. negative space. And their score times perfect with those little bars of code being erased to create the negative space for the eyes and teeth mm-hmm. of the jack-o'-lantern. She thought that was cool, so I, had, I wanted to make a note of that. Um, it honestly took me years to even figure this opening out and put the pieces together that it was going to be a digital pumpkin to go the more online, you know, more in lines of the first two films. Like, I think that is because of me hate watching this film whenever I did get to watch it, because like I said earlier, I wasn't a film growing up. And I didn't really turn around to this film in a whole new light. It wasn't until like 2017, 2018, so like three, four years ago, that recently, to be honest. Um, and also the score, like we mentioned, uh, it's it's atmospherical is the word I keep on yeah. using. And uh, it's, it's what describes this. And then we get the text, Northern California, October, Saturday the 23rd as we see a man running down a dark road under an overpass and into a car dealership and he's seen running from a couple of suits who are after him in a car it's eventually he's caught by one of them but uses a chain to yank a tire block that sends a car rolling down and crushes him the, the guy the, the suit 
in between another car, like a little sandwich action. Yeah, one thing I one thing I noticed last night that I didn't before, and actually, again, Mandy pointed it out, because when the guys first catch up to him, it's these two guys in like a you know Coupe de Ville or whatever, and then he dashes into the car lot, and then the car circles back around. But when the car the circles barks. back around, the dog barks. I mean, right, right. But when the car circles back around. There's only, only one, one. Only one right, guy. Right, yeah. So it sets you up like, oh, the other dude's out there looking for it's, you. It's fun paying attention to details like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I just caught that last one. Um, and then the other suit exits the car as the man runs away. And then we get the text one hour later. And we're at this old gas station. We see the attendant watching a news report. When the sudden disappearance of Stonehenge Rock. Yeah, a little heavy-handed foreshadowing. Very, for very, like I said... I gotta pay attention to details because I missed that for the longest time. Yeah, I caught it. I caught it several times. I made the note there. It was like seven, you know, very heavy-handed Act One foreshadowing for Act Three. Yep. Um, Did you notice what's 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 written above the entrance at a gas station? It's like kind of spray painted, stenciled on the brick. No, it It says need gas, and the next day it says eat beans. Eat beans. (laughs) Need (laughs) gas. Eat beans. All right. Um, before we see the first of at least 20 Silver Shamrock commercials yeah. uh, featured during this movie. Holy shit. Yeah, and it, Mandy's, Mandy decided to make it a ringtone for the entire month of October. <laughs> so the runaway guy scares the attendant but then passes out holding on to a pumpkin jack-o'-lantern mask uh, saying that they're coming. They're coming. This is when the attendant drives the man to the nearest hospital as we see one of the suits appear on screen to end the shot. So then we get Tom Atkins, Dr. Dan Chalice. Gets to his ex-wife's house unannounced to see his kids throwing dinner. He gives them some cheap plastic Halloween masks, but uh, they go and put on their silver shamrock masks that mom bought them instead. Uh, Chalice gets a page from the uh, hospital. Who's who's playing his ex-wife? That's Nancy Keys, who played Annie from the first film. Yeah, it's Tommy Lee Wallace's wife, right? Tommy Lee Wallace. I think they were divorced at this point. At that point, or they were. It took me like that was the first around this time they were going to be. That was her, but I'm like, wait a minute, I'm like, babe, it's with a very bad dye job. Very bad dye job. The gray hair. Come on, man. Yeah, the the like the the like gray like sandy blonde bob. Because she's like 23 when they filmed this, but she's made to look like she's in her 40s. Right, right, right. It's like, come on. How do you do that? You give it the old Nancy Thompson gray streak. Right. Get the fuck out of here with right. that. Come on now. Right. Right. Nancy Keith deserves better. Yeah. So <clears throat> he calls the hospital. Because before I get to this part, they he, had yeah, beepers back then? They, yeah, they did. They okay. did. That's how you stayed in contact with your physician because you would, you would page them. Uh, you know, even, in the sure. early, even in the early days of cell phones and doctors would have those big clunky cell phones in the hospital. They didn't know what they were fucking with hospital equipment so they would still page the doctor from within the building so yes there were that's how you would have reached you know it was really only doctors that used beepers back then specifically for being on call so yeah dr dan gets paid to come back to the emergency room yeah so he calls the hospital and is told about the man that the the gas station attendant brought in from the previous scene so he says he's got to go already pissing off his pissing off his ex in the process and then uh, we see Charles get to the hospital, and he checks the man's vitals as the attendant says that he was just brought. He just brought him there after he showed up like that. So he's put in a room, and the gas attendant uh, leaves. And then we hear the server Shamrock commercial start playing again. Yeah, well, because the guy, the, the, the patient is now like oh, practically unconscious, but he's clutching this jack-o'-lantern mask, 
And but he wakes up to this commercial. He wakes up to the commercial because it's like the the right outside the room and right. it's playing on the TV in the room. And he's in a panic and he warns everyone that they're going to kill us. Right, and that's where I, that's my first note. Plot contrivances galore. Like we just got there because the movie's got to get there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so he's given meds that puts him out. Chalice blames it all on lack of sleep, and then we see Chalice hit on us, Agnes. I could use a nap. Doctor's lounge is empty. Want to take one with me? <laughs> Pillows are in the cabinet, and there's milk and cookies in the fridge. I think I should have married you, Agnes. <laughs> Watch it, Buster. I pay for keeps, you know. I'm serious. <laughs> um, the shit that he says in this movie, Dr. God, Dan is a, he's a, he's says that he should have married her while the two go about, go about their way, and Chalice goes to sleep in the office. Yeah, he's just a horn dog in this whole film, man. And it wasn't until last night Beer that, and that, women. That, it, that it dawned on me that, that, that his character was divorced or estranged from, from the mother of his children, because I remember watching it growing up thinking... You know, because what happens later on in the film, I'm he's like, this guy's, his wife, right, this, this, guy's, girl. this guy's yeah. not a very good husband. No. So, nah. I was like, okay, at least it's established. It They're already on the app now. Right, right. So, uh, this is, yeah, Charles goes to sleep in the office, and then uh, the suit comes in, gives fucking this poor schmuck the gnarliest fucking death scene yeah i've never seen a nose break from the inside before he just squeezes. it's crazy me like and injects me, like, meanwhile the guy's still clutching <clears throat> the mask so the staff didn't even take the fucking rubber mask from the dude he's able to just lay there in the bed with he it he probably had that death clutch on the whole time more than likely but yeah this guy so just he, just, he in puts his thumb in his index finger like in between his fucking eyes and like squeeze it like crushes the bone right there and, and pulls up and pulls up like that'll fuck you ow, up that, and yeah. It, yeah. that'll fuck you up ow, he man. pulls it he grabs the like from the underside of the bridge of the nose and pulls it it's like a physical allergy attack yeah, or something fuck, fuck, yeah, Sin- a, a physical never, sinus attack never saw a nose break from inside before it's a physical sinus attack that's what I call it so um then after he does this, uh, he goes outside, gets in the car, and sets himself on fire. Just pours gasoline on himself, and then just goes off in flames. Torts himself right in the hospital park. Yep. So Agnes is the one who discovers the body, and she screams. That wakes Chalice, and he goes and runs out and chases the suit to his car. That's what happens. He chases the suit to his car, and this is where he puts himself in gasoline and mm-hmm. sets himself ablaze after Chalice is chasing him. So Chalice calls his wife about the accident and says that he can't get the kids. He'll get them Saturday instead and sincerely apologizes. You, can, I put a note here. You can hear it. You can hear it in Atkins' voice how emotional this has made him. Like, he's startled the way he's like... Hello, Linda. Dan, I won't be able to pick the kids up tonight. Something... My ex-wife. No, no, Linda, it's nothing like that at all. If you just relax for a minute, I... The two men died here tonight. No, it wasn't an accident. Listen, I'll tell you all about it later, all right? I've really got to go. Sure, sure, Saturday night. Yeah, that'd be fine. They can both stay with me all night. Tell them I'm sorry. I didn't... I really got to go. Bye. 
Well, yeah, yeah, you can see talking you, you, to you her. You can see it. He's like, and he's under pressure too. It's like the fire chief is standing right there. Everybody's waiting to get his statement, and he's just trying to get his ex off the phone. He's like, "Well, you can't talk about it. I got some shit going on." Right. You know, <clears throat> I just can't get there tonight. Yep. So then the mystery man's daughter. Ellie arrives and confirms the identity of the man to the police. Then she tearfully excuses herself to cry some more when Chalice notices her leaving. Um, then we got the text Wednesday the 27th. And we've got Dan trying to get the death report from his female coroner at the hospital, whose name is Teddy. Uh, he asked her to check it herself, but she eventually says that she'll see what she can do, but makes no promises Again with this flirting and shit, man. He's like any, any, and any, he even gives her a kiss before leaving. Yep, any any skirt that comes in Doctor Dan's path is God is, damn. is 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 full reign to Doctor Dan Chalice. Would man. not be employed in twenty twenty one. No, he would not. Holy shit. Yeah. Uh, so then we get the text Friday the 29th. I guess fuck the twenty eighth. <laughs> Chalice at the local bar. Note the Halloween commercial yeah, the Halloween playing TV again. Coming, it's, it's playing because it's coming on. It's coming on this weekend. Watch Halloween. Oh yeah, the Halloween. Yeah, that's right. The Halloween commercial. And yeah, then we, get, made, and there, then there, we there, get a social. Yeah, there, there's a commercial but for this weekend's upcoming screen. This is this is the first Halloween. of two Halloween ref, uh, se- sequences. Original like, Halloween. original Halloween gang yes, from seventy yes. eight. So yes. it's like this film takes place outside of that. That universe, universe. Yeah, it's yeah, it's, 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 it's crazy. It's, it's weird it's to crazy. wrap your head around. Uh, so Ellie comes in, says one of the nurses told her that she could find him there. She asked if her father told him anything bef- the night that he died, and then Chalice makes up some bullshit about he he said to tell Ellie he loves her, and she calls bullshit over that and goes to leave. But uh, he tells her that he thought her father was crazy, saying they're gonna kill us. But then turned up dead an hour later himself. Um, yeah, and she makes a comment like, you know, I want to thank you for coming to the funeral. It's been two fucking days. They've already had the funeral of guys in the ground. Maybe they're Jewish. Uh, possible. I don't. I don't think. Maybe so. they're Jewish, but name. who knows? Uh, so they go to her father's store. I know that she calls him Papa. Yeah. Papa. This is Papa's store. Yeah. And this. I love it later. <laughs> This is where this is where I make a note about Doctor Dan. Okay, let's face it; he's attending physician in the ER. Okay? Yeah, right. But there's this guy, fucking Marcus Welby. Yeah, like, he, just you know, reads he, this he, book. Right. He he just he decides like he's gonna be a private eye part time, and he just blows off. You know, it seems it, like your father's been making a lot of deliveries out of Santa Maria. Santa Maria. Yeah, he just literally goes from. We should go there. Goes from PhD or, or, or MD to PI. In the course of a scene, one split decision. Now he's blowing off his duties and his patients to go investigate some weird shit going on. Look, you bite your tongue. You're talking about Atkins like that. The man could do anything. I know that. I'm just saying again. Plot contrivances. This guy's like fucking Doctor Marcus Welby. I'm surprised the motherfucker didn't say "thrill me" in this movie at some point. (laughs) That's the first thing I said when he came on screen. I'm like, "Thrill me." Yeah. He just looked at me. I'm just like, I got to show you. I think it's a thing you have to do if you're a fan of movies like we are. Like whenever you see Atkins. You have to say the words "thrill me." It, it's it's a must, you know. You do. I think I said it out loud during uh, my bloody Valentine three <laughs> yeah. in the theater that night. So then we got Dan calling his wife again to cancel on the kids. Um, commercials playing in the background in front of the store TVs as he hangs up and leaves with a six pack in hand. He's ready pack. to party. Yeah, he's got that six pack of highlights. Like, Hon, I can't get the kids, but I got myself one hell of a six pack uh, here. I can't wait to drink Doctor Dan's six pack of Miller Highlight. Um, so they go to Santa Mira, Mira and um, 
it's beautiful, but it's deserted. Uh, Dan calls it company town, is what he says. Yeah, and like, and every and every single business in the store is obviously Irish owned and operated. Uh-huh. I made a note like this is more of a St. Patrick's Day town than a Halloween town. Leprechaun should have been set here, right? Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's explained as to why with the history of the town and, you know... Colonel it's a little Cochran. heavy, though. It's still... It's, it's quite heavy-handed, but it plays into the, you know, the villain's ultimate motive. Uh, first thing we notice when they go to drive through this town is the security camera set up everywhere. Yeah. Uh, as the two drive by the Silver Shamrock facility, then they settle in at a place called... Rose of Shannon Motel on the nose, are we? Come on now. Yeah, and keeping and that Irish innuendo. And, and the and the owner of the motel is checking him in. I actually his I, name I, is Rafferty. Right, right, right. So I actually wrote some dialogue for him. He's like, "Hey, this cottage comes with its own shillelagh," <laughs> you know, because he is like, you can't get more Irish than than than. I mean, you you'd have had to cast a fucking leprechaun to get more Irish than this dude. Yeah. Uh, so they're 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 posing as a couple of buyers from out of town. We meet Rafferty in his thick Irish accent. Dan sneaks into the front office to check the lodger to see if Ellie's father stayed there. He has. And then we're introduced to Kyle Cochran, playing by Dan O'Haley. Mm-hmm. Driving by as Rafferty talks up talks him up to Ely, Ellie. Sorry. This is where we're introduced to Marge, who needs to stay an extra day because the factory screwed her order up. She's a saleswoman, by the way, guys. <laughs> As well as Buddy, speaking of salesman, and his family, who also have mis- business up at uh, Silver Shamrock. <laughs> um, what the hell was that? A sneeze or a cough? I gotta get something to drink. Like, or a snoff. <laughs> it was a snoff. Yeah, and and uh, yeah, the Buddy Buddy is like your typical, like he's portrayed as like your typical like midwestern overweight obnoxious novelty salesman mm-hmm. like you just like if if i just had an image of that guy i'd be like that guy runs a gag shop you know who you reminded me of who zach allen's dead from uh, gremlins a hoyt accent a little bit yeah 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 because he's kind of like jolly yeah. you know you know and he's got his you know brad he's a body and keeper his, you know? and, <laughs> and his and his overweight you know self-entitled wife would mm-hmm. you know um, he's played like you would just imagine this guy like or like Jerry Stiller's character from the Hairspray movie which yeah is, or, yeah good one is, is, is he, he runs the gag shop mm-hmm. yeah so Ellie's ready to go to Silver Shamrock with the new information that her father stayed there that her father stayed there but Dan says that he isn't ready that he needs to hold down for a night and that he needs a drink and then we get this awkward dialogue where she asks, where do you want to sleep, Dr. Chalice? And he says, that's a dumb question, Miss Skimbridge. Where do you want to sleep, Dr. Chalice? That's a dumb question, Miss Grimbridge. And Dr. Dan moves quick, man. They've known each other for 48 hours, and, and she's they're, throwing herself We're talking out. like at least 20-year age gap I'm between these two. 30-year age difference, because this girl is cute. Who was she, anyway? Um, Stacy. Um, I wanted to ask you that, because she looks familiar to me, but I don't know if I'm just placing her from seeing this movie so many times. Uh, Stacy Nelkin. Uh, this... She didn't have much of a huge no. career. I know um, you're going to get into that. Nice but. woman. I talked to her on Zoom a few months back when we did a, uh, a watch along with this movie. Oh, and okay. She did it with us. Um, really cool. Um, now she does um, 
helps with like uh, people who like uh, abuse like prescription pills and stuff. Okay. Like, because her her father died of um, oh, wow. a painkiller overdose. So that's what she does now. Basically, she's a specialist in that, and doing quite well. She was just in town with Atkins last week for Monster Mania for their uh, their first convention back since the pandemic. That was last week. It was outdoors and it sold out in like. A day. I was waiting for it to come up. I thought it was my birthday weekend. Aren't they doing the? That was Cherry Hill. Cherry. Uh, I saw they announced something for this October twenty fourth. No one knows what it is though. He's but he's. It's, you don't know where it's at then. He can. If you looked in the comments, he confirmed that Hunt Valley is still in September. Okay, so there is going to be a yeah, normal oh yeah. con this mm-hmm. fall. All right, good. I knew that they were doing this outdoor thing because I follow them, but didn't follow location. Right. I didn't know the location. It was where outside they, of Philly. Oh, so what? Well, you said in town. Where do they? Well, do I always I, I use okay, that term so the, loosely. So they weren't they, they weren't like as close as they Philly. Get. Okay, and they okay. were an hour and a half away. Okay, in okay, town, out of okay. town. Well, in town I mean. is when they do Hunt Valley because that's right. I know, I know. Um, but yeah, I I tell you what, man, I can't wait for September. I yeah, cannot wait to yeah, get to a fucking convention again. Want to get back to that again? We should have fun. So, six o'clock, Santa Mira curfew. Yeah, now, so much for Doctor Dan getting that drink, huh? I know. <laughs> they rolled her fucking sidewalks up at dusk. Now, I want to clarify one thing for people. Um, there's been this huge rumor that even Wikipedia seems to have it on their page still that the voice of this person doing the PA curfew is none other than Jamie Lee Curtis. It's not true. She is not doing the voice work of this, although she does do the voiceover work in Escape from New York. Right, I knew that. This I didn't know they were. Saying I don't know where this shit came like, from, but it sounds like her, but it's not her. It's, I I didn't. Care. I mean, I remember the. It sounds know, the just like her, like, but she is. Said, she's confirmed herself. It's confirm not her. Your activities to your homes. It's it's six o'clock. Yeah. Time. Yeah. It, it's even Wikipedia has that voice being Jimmy Lee Curtis's still, and it's been rumored, you know, for thirty some odd years. And basically. It's not true. That, that she did some uncredited voiceover work along the lines but of But she's going on records and uh, I never did. Oh, yes. She's confirmed that's not her. And even uh, Tommy Lee Wallace even said that, no, he never had Jamie in studio to do any voiceover work. That's not right true at all. So, camera's looking around at the town's emptiness and then we see Dan leaving. I don't get this. How is he able to leave a store still and the store still be open? After the curfew starts... We see Dan leave like a liquor store of sorts. That's what I was thinking myself. Like, yeah, okay, the, you know, the curtain's right. there, but he's still able to get his bottle of booze. And he runs into a homeless guy there played by, you know, played this homeless guy? No, he was your obligatory drunk harbinger, but who played him? No, he's played by Jonathan Terry, who played the uh, Colonel character in the original two Return of the Living Dead movies. Oh. He, like, initiates, like, the, the, the nuke at the end of the first mm. movie, and then he comes back in the second film as the same character... The whole gag of the second Return of the Living Dead, for those of you who are not familiar with it, is that it's kind of a official, unofficial sequel slash remake to the first film. That's kind of the running gag. That's why some returning people... It, it's kind of like an Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2 situation, but it's right, not. Right. Um, but yeah, Jonathan Terry um, yeah, came back. He, he, that, this was uh, one of his first movies, but he would go on to play the Colonel... Um, from those films. Anyhow, he asked you for a uh, drink before berating Cochran. Yeah, it looks a little heavy. Why don't you let me lighten it up? Yeah. For you? 
start to berating Cochran for the way he runs the town, saying it's the last Halloween for them, and then asks for a dollar. He's given a dollar, and the two go their own way, with the homeless guy being confronted by suits, who knock him down to his knees, and then rip his head off his shoulders, and I have here an all-caps Dick Warlock. Because that's who plays the suit, he rips his head off. Oh, it is Dick Warlock. Dick Warlock, returning to the show for the third time. Go oh, wait. Dick. Well, it's second Casino. We've discussed Dick Warlock. I know, but world. Casino hasn't been released yet and but, I'm fucking with time because we're recording this episode out of yeah, order yeah, yeah. anywho so I made a note here um, Dick Warlock who's had a lot of love on this show the last couple months gang yeah he has, he has. we talked about him a little bit um, I made a note here because he literally just you know pulls this guy's head off with his bare hands so awesome effects too it's, really, it's, it's probably my favorite effect in the film um, what has the best decapitation this scene Robert Ginty's the exterminator or a Serbian film? This. Have you seen yes. The Exterminator? We watched it together. We did. Mm-hmm. So, you know, because that, that, that's one of the million dollar reshoots is that scene alone. I mean, I, and I literally, I was going to We watched you, it at the Opolis. That's right. You um, got it. You, you came over when I got the blue. I don't speak about that second film uh, that you talked about. <laughs> I watched it. So, process of elimination. It is this one right I here. Balls, I ballsed up and rewatched a Serbian film like one in the morning Saturday night after after you guys. Everybody, uh, we've already talked about that film for one too many seconds. <laughs> um, so Ellie's outside with Marge. Uh, Marge introduces herself along with her shop, saying that the Silver Shamrock products have been slipping as of late, and she shows a button that it came out of one of the masks. Apparently, remember that, guys. She goes inside and the button falls to the floor. Yeah, it's like it's it's like their 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 logo tag yes. that's attached to the the mask, to the, to the, the outside mm-hmm. of the back part of the mask. So Ellie, oh God, this is the scene. So then we get Ellie. She gets out of the shower, dries herself off of the towel. But it doesn't barely, barely, barely does it, barely does it. And then but then goes the and gets a fucking comforter off the bed and puts it around her Rats like. Yourself. What are we doing? Right. Right, and like they, and, and even Mandy's like, why? Did I had she just to finish stop and rewind off? it and be like, wait, did she just do what I think she just did? She barely dried off with the towel and then wraps up in this thin little, thin little like bedspread. She like barely, she like dabs herself with the towel, like a little plop, a little bit, and then she's like running to the bed like she's shivering. Like, Ooh, it's so cold. It's like, bitch, you get were just in the in bathroom with the, sh- the, the towel, with the steam. Shut the door, dry off, and get dressed. But no, she proceeds to jump into the living uh, the, the bedroom and, and well, throws the, the bed. For, the only for, comforter in that goddamn room, by right. may I add. And now it's all over her drip, dripping wet ass. Yeah, but she's waiting for Dr. Dan to come back to the room. Yeah, so anyway, Don calls his lady friend in the autopsy room, Teddy, for an update. She says someone screwed up the envelopes and that they they were performing an autopsy, they were performing an autopsy on auto parts. <laughs> Because she's finding nothing but... Like, I know, I know. Because like, 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 they're robots, exactly. And and stuff. She says she finds... Uh, she, they found nothing but pieces of plastic and metal. Dan says that he'll check back tomorrow and then hangs up. And then Dan goes back to the motel room where Ellie reveals some lingerie she apparently had kept around just in case. Yeah, she traveled. Because remember, this trip was kind of like... An, impromptu. Impromptu. Like, you know, she, brings her, she brings her sexy night gear. I guess. This happens a lot. So the two begin <laughs> get. She has daddy issues. So the two begin getting intimate and continue to do so as the fucking goddamn Silver Shamrock commercial plays over the radio. 
Then they eventually get it on yet again, while in the other room, Marge inspects the button that came from the mask, and then she's picking at it, and then it shoots a, a laser she, into her mouth. Yeah, she, she's picking at it with a hairpin. She's picking at the underside, because the underside's like what looks like a, like a, like a, like a, chip. Like a microchip. Yeah. She's picking at that when the Silver Shamrock commercial comes on, and then all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, your first time seeing this from me, like, what the fuck is that? Because this big blue laser beam shoots from the thing, blasts her in the face. You right know, in the mouth. It's, right in the mouth, and her mouth's all split This is my favorite open. death. This it's is my favorite my death My second scene. favorite, because uh, as of last night, watching that decapitation, I was like, that was cool. I forgot about that. But I always remembered Marge's, like, split open mouth, and then just suddenly a bee comes out. You're like, what the fuck is a fucking bee? Yeah, let me tell you what. Talk about awkwardness. Um, The woman who played Marge mm -hmm. was Tom Atkins' wife at the time. Of really? To okay. imagine like having to shoot like this fucking fake yeah, sex scene with a girl who's like twenty five years younger yeah, than you. On the other side of the room, and you're on the side of the room exactly. Yeah, and and your chunky, you know, middle, you know, middle aged Midwestern wife is filming her cameo one room over. <laughs> she's called her chunky. Well, she's I mean average <laughs> weight for her age, but still, you know, if I had to choose between her, Ellie and Marge, I'm going Ellie all day. Uh, so yeah, the, later on in the night, we see Dan and Ellie waking up to uh, Cochran and his team taking Marge's body with uh, Rafferty saying that she'll be taken care of, she'll get the greatest service. Yeah, because they're going to take her back to the factory because they have emergency physicians on standby 24 yes. hours at the Silver Shamrock. Factory. Says that... Uh, Better it's, than the Santa Because Cochran tells them that it's all over and Marge will get the best emergency treatment possible. So skeptical... Dan and Ellie listen to Cochran and then go back inside so that they don't blow their covers. Then Dan overhears Cochran and one of the suits mention a misfire and questions it out loud to Ellie. And then we get the text the next day, Saturday the 30th. We got Dan calling Teddy again and she says that she's starting to wonder if someone's been tampering with her stuff because there's no evidence of a body being present. He asks her to do some digging on Connell Cochran and then he hangs up when we see that the call has been bugged. So, Ellie and Dan head to Silver Shamrock Novelties for their investigating. Ellie finds out that her father picked up an order the week prior, but offer no more details. And on the way out, they run into Buddy and his family, along with Cochran, who says Buddy was the top seller last month. Or last year. Oh, last year. So, this family gets a complimentary tour of the factory. Gotcha. Okay, that's why the fuck they're there. Mm -hmm. So, he's offered a private tour for the title when Buddy investigates, or um, when Buddy invites Dan and Ellie to come along, too. So, they have the tour on the facility. They just get the, they luck into the tour, so it makes your investigation that much easier, because once again, gang, this movie's going to movie. Yeah, man, definitely. So, they get in, and uh, little Buddy wants the new pumpkin mask for Cochran, for, um, from, and this from is when we see the Don Post like process, like how they yeah, masks it's, are made. we should talk about this. Molding. We see the mask, like the molding process. And it's then, almost, they're like pretty much handmade. And Mandy made a good point. She's like, it was exactly how he would have did it. They then. were the molds. All, it's, they it's, were the molds. They were the original. They were sure. the molds. Exactly. Right. Right. So it's, you're literally <clears> like getting a peek into the Don Post workshop, which was one of my favorite parts of the film. It's like two or three minutes on screen, but it's pretty neat to see. How it's they cool. Get it back there. I like it. Um. So, yeah, like I said, little, little Buddy wants the uh, the pumpkin mask. Off. Everybody wanted that jack-o'-lantern mask. I know. So he lets him have a newly processed mask uh, as the tour continues. And yeah, because the one he grabs hasn't been to final processing yet, and he pulls a one that's, that's like freshly shrink-wrapped in the, 
in the box. It hasn't had it. it had the chip put in basically. Exactly. And all that. Yeah. Like, even even Buddy's like final process. Yeah, he, he spent a little bit of time questioning like what he meant by that. Yeah. Hey, Mr. Cochran, just what is the final process? I uh, sure it's just a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Quality inspection, the seal of approval, you know the usual. And of course, a couple of trade secrets. Oh, yeah, I'd sure love to take a look. Um. So they reach a door that says final processing. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's uh, being questioned a little more than Cochran wished. Dan and scopes Cochran the area. Falls back on that. It's just trade secrets. I'm just yep. tell you, it's trade secrets. So Dan scopes the area and all all the random suits standing around watching. He grabs Ellie and says it's time to leave. Says that he saw a couple men looking strangely familiar who might have killed her father. So this is when uh, she discovers Papa's car. It's Papa's car. Oh my God! What? That's Papa's car. Yeah, like up in a garage on the hill, she sees like the back end of the station wagon partially uncovered by a tarp, and it's being guarded by a couple of suits. Yeah, she sees Papa's car and goes running out towards it as two suits stop her. And then back at the motel, Ellie says it's time to leave. As Dan says it's time for the Marines, he runs out to call the police while Ellie stays to pack. Uh, Dan goes to the hotel office, our uh, motel office, and tries calling, but can't because oh wait i want to i want to make a quick mention about buddy's wife during during the during the factory tour do you notice she's walking around the whole time with like an eight inch mirror just constantly fixed she's carrying like an actual framed mirror the whole time i okay i like saw her with something but it wasn't it's, really it's paying really, attention it's not just like a like a compact or something she right she like like grabbed it off the fucking wall of the <laughs> hotel and is walking around the, the the factory with it staring into this fucking six inch framed mirror right right I mean, hey. What the fuck is that about? I don't know. The 80s, that's what it was. Yeah, you said, I said that a lot during this movie. Yeah. What the fuck is that about? So, yeah, she, uh, uh, yeah, Dan goes to the office, can't make the call. So, we're sharing my commercial on the damn TV. Dan goes back to the room to find Ellie missing, and then he sees a row of five suits outside lined up to attack. He goes out through the back and hides as Ellie's taken to the factory and forced inside. And then um, Dan tries calling out again from a payphone, but can't. He still can't. Yeah, basically all phone lines. The town's shut yeah, down the town's shit. cut. It's a small yep. town and it's all deserted. Cochran's like literally cut them off from the wall. Yep, he makes a run for it and enters the place. He goes to the basement area of. Um, Silver Shamrock. And, and, and I notice here how it's pretty easy to break into Silver Shamrock processing because he just kind of, he doesn't have to work his way through the lock gate. You know, I actually just gets it, in and in. Right, because it's, it's, it's like, there, it's the, the gate is chained shut, but they didn't think to wrap the chain around more than once. So there's a good six to eight inches of space. He can yeah. just squeeze right through. And I just, and, and I thought to myself, like, maybe that's a unit of measurement in this type of thing. Like, you know, we have far apart. Well, just give it one Atkins. We need one Atkins between, <laughs> between both of them. You measure right. like a full Atkins, a double Atkins, a half an Atkins, you know, how much space you need on this chain. Fortunately enough, they decided one Atkins was enough. And boom, Dr. Dan's able to squeeze right in that gate and just get into final processing. You know, I think the fucking door was unlocked. Either that or this guy's going from fucking Marcus Welby to Splinter Cell in no time. <laughs> well, he gets down to the basement area, and I, I got to give it to this film. This is probably the creepiest part of the film for me because he finds this, like, old woman knitting. Yeah. 
and like it, I don't know if it's the lighting or like the it's, effect that she's making, but it's a robot. It, Anyone who's seen Taurus Trap can tell what it is. Right. And it's still a it's this creepy old woman who's knitting and he's like thinking it's a real woman who's like asking her for help and stuff and, and this, that, and the third, and then he goes to shake her but her head rolls the off. Head just falls right off. Yep. Shoddy worksmanship. And this is where I made a note that now I I've begun to come to the conclusion that Kyle Cochran is a disgraced, disgruntled former Disney Imagineer who just decided to go f- to go on full on Scooby Doo villain. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like I would have got away with it too if it weren't for you meddling kids. Ro-ro. So he's attacked by Dick Warlock and eventually punches him into his stomach, killing him with some tang blood coming out of his mouth. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like spit up yeah, like the suits at this point, orange. I still call them suits, but they're they're androids yeah. for the most part. They're And exactly. And, and they have and like this orange, you, you orange, the orange tour, juice blood. What, what I didn't catch um, until last night at the beginning of the tour when, when Buddy and Dr. Dan are kind of walking through you know the the factory or whatever and, the, and Cochran's got all his other you know his previous creations there uh-huh. buddy goes into detail uh, goes into detail about how Cochran created some of the best gags and some of the best toys yes. and his attention to detail so he's he's talking about these little clockwork like almost like music box type things like a cuckoo clock type thing you know and so it's 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 hinted it's subtly dropped that right there that Cochran's like got knowledge of how this shit works because his family's been making little tinker toys for better part of a generation or two now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I call Buddy a little talking the same shit like that, too, this time. Um, what am I at here? Okay, so, so yeah, Dick Warlock, dead, whatever. So then Cochran and his men finally take Dan and tell him that Ellie's resting. Cochran says it'll be morning soon. Halloween morning, and then he says it'll be a very busy day for me, and then we get the text, Sunday the 31st, Halloween. Dan is taken to the final processing area, where an elevator takes him down to his lab, where everything operates, and this is where we see the Stonehenge rock. Yeah, now Cochran's going from Scooby-Doo villain to full-on Bond villain at this point, exposing (laughs) his whole (laughs) operation to the hero. So the missing Stonehenge rock from the the news clip. If you were listening earlier in the film for like 10, 15 seconds, this is that Stonehenge rock that they were referring to. Um, And then this is when Cochran's plan is revealed. The chips in all the masks have a power of force to do something very bad. And we see that displayed with Buddy and his son. Who wear that? He puts the mask on when the uh, yeah they're like they're like they they put him in this room. room. Yeah, it's like a test, like a little fake living room. It's like I a, would say this is the scene that this is the movie's most iconic scene for horror fans, and, and they, they remember this scene more than anything else. Well, yeah, because you know the kids got his, you know, they sit. They, I know for me it was the first time I ever saw a kid die in a horror movie. Yeah, but it was like again how it happens makes you know uh, Cochran goes into a little bit of detail talking about you know he he wants to honor the original Sawin. At least this time they announced Sawin correctly. They say Sawin correctly. They say Sawin correctly. Yes, they do. So they bring my back oh my. How much can change in a year? Right, but they, they, they brought back the Druid Sawin reference, and his his nefarious plan is to offer sacrifices to Sawin for Halloween because that's what All Hallows Eve was truly about, not going around getting trinket, you know, candies for the kids. Right. Um, but then, so what Cochran's got this family doing is he's got them in a little observation room, if you will, made up to look like a typical American living room. And... 
the TV finally comes to life. So naturally, the kid just jumps right on it, puts his mask on, because the actual commercial, the full commercial that's supposed to debut at nine, they're getting it. He's getting it early, so he's got his mask on. He's sitting there, and then when it gets to the mind-numbing repetitions, like ding, 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 and it just gets, it builds, it builds, it builds, it yep. flashes a white light. Naturally, it sparks the the Stonehenge chip that's hidden in the tag on the mask. You know, mask begins to melt. You don't really see too much of a kid's face melting. You just see him grab the mask, which is kind of like melted with his face at this point. Yeah, it's point. now fused in. But if then, you, now that the film has been released in HD, you can actually see Buddy's face when he lays down bit. and collapses. Yeah. You see, like his eyes and his face, and how it's it's fucked up. It's kind of and, a creepy but, shot. And 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 I get it. It's kind of weird. It's like a it's a unique way to you know to kill the people, and it's a strange fucking you know nefarious plan for Cochrane to have. But what's never fucking explained, and we're just supposed to because it's druid magic. Where's the fucking bugs come from? There's a goddamn seven foot snake that comes out of this fucking kid's yeah, head. Yeah, like an anaconda comes out fucking of this damn kid. Anaconda comes out of this damn kid's head. I mean, you see the one bee in in uh, Marge's mouth when she's fucking with it in the hotel room. It comes out and then like hides into her hair. You're well, like, you see a few snakes come out of Buddy, and one of them actually like bites Big Buddy and kills him essentially. Yeah, like, that's what they, kills they just, him. Where, where the fuck are they coming from? <laughs> Like it, just, it makes no yeah. sense, and there's it's, no I, reason. It's it's cool it. effect, but it makes but no sense logically. It'll make, like if you stop, I mean, and think, we're arguing logic in a fucking film or a chip with her stone heads. You know, it, you, get, able you to get zap it. your skull. I get it. Movie's gonna movie. Yeah, <laughs> real. This one's definitely gonna movie. So yeah, this is basically what we're gonna. This is what. It happens with at, at nine o'clock on Halloween. But yet every kid around the country, every got kid's these gonna. Masks. This is gonna happen to every kid with right. the mask watching that fucking yeah, commercial. They're all gonna be glued to their TV sets that, at nine o'clock. That Tommy Lee Wallace narrated commercial. That's all they're gonna do is watch that, and their, their, their faces are gonna melt. And their and their parents are gonna be attacked by jungle, jungle like animals. wasps and butterflies and, fucking, and snakes yeah, and critters. Um. So we get our film's montage. It yeah. is what I call the Silver Shamrock montage. It is. It is. And I will say, I think the, the best shot in the film is... And the it was poster? The, the, the iconic shot. The shot from the poster from like Los, the kid, yeah, Los Angeles. The, yep, the kids are walking across walking across a hilltop. The sunset behind them. And they're, and they're not all wearing the Silver Shamrock masks. They're wearing the actual costume. Like right. One's an actual you know, witch costume. Right, right. And, they're, and, and it's your obligatory, everybody's getting ready to go out trick-or-treat shot. You see shots of different cities, but this is the one from Los Angeles. It right, said. And, and it wound up being used, you know, it's a... Two seconds. The one shot sheet that's, that's uses. It's the one, the one sheet, sheet for, for the, the film, and it's probably the best shot in the film, in my opinion. I like it. The the, the sun setting behind them. Yep. It's it's yep. definitely you know a shot exactly that I remember. Go with that. Yep. So, <clears throat> yeah, they're all getting their masks for the big giveaway at nine, as they're shown sitting in front of the TVs. I never knew so many kids got their Halloween mask the day of, <laughs> right. until I saw this. Right. Uh, Teddy tries to call Dan at the at the motel, but the phone's disconnected. And then we see a suit in the other room with a power drill. Back at, this is at the hospital with Teddy, the uh, the, the autopsy girl that um, he's been getting cheap with. She's um gonna get drilled. This guy's gonna just. And I have a problem with this death scene. Um, and we'll get into it. First of all, there's no drill in that medical exam. Well, office. Spoiler, be a saw. spoiler alert, it's my, it's, it's my mulligan moment. So we'll get to it. I, yeah. I have an issue with it and we'll, we'll get around to it at the appropriate mark. But, um, 
Yeah, he drills her in the head, killing her off screen. And then it says 7.30 p.m., and we see Cochran tying Dan up, and he puts one of the masks on, the skeleton mask to be exact, in front of with, and they pull a little TV, like one of the TVs you got in elementary school or in yeah, high it's school. Yeah, rolling, it's on the AV rolling cart. Yeah, on the rolling cart. Meanwhile, he's strapped Dan up with nothing but like a fucking seatbelt. It's your typical just seatbelt material yeah. tied real tight around him. But you know why I love this scene so much? Why? Because when he hits play, what do we hear? We hear Halloween, yeah, but we Halloween. hear Laurie's theme. Yeah, we, we do. We, we hear do. Laurie's theme Halloween, playing. Yep, Halloween is back on the air again. So as second, he's trying to escape. And I love how Laurie's theme, it, it's, it's the, it turns into the movies, the scene score for, the, for like, the actual it, it, it scene with him trying to escape. Um, and before this, um, we get this big monologue from Cochran about Halloween and everything. Enjoy the horror fun, Doctor. And don't forget to watch the big giveaway afterwards. Why, Cochran? Why? Do I need a reason? Mr. Cupfer was right, you know. I do love a good joke, and this is the best ever. A joke on the children. But there's a better reason. You don't really know much about Halloween. You thought no further than the strange custom of having your children wear masks and go out begging for candy. It was the start of the year in our old Celtic lands and we'd be waiting in our houses of wattles and clay. The barriers would be down, you see, between the real and the unreal. And the dead might be looking in to sit by our fires of turf. Halloween. The festival of Samhain. The last great one took place 3,000 years ago when the hills ran red with the blood of animals and children. Sacrifices are part of our world, our craft. Witchcraft. To us, it was a way of controlling our environment. It's not so different now. It's time again. In the end, we don't decide these things, you know. The planets do. They're in alignment. And it's time again. The world's going to change tonight, Doctor. I'm glad you'll be able to watch it. And... Happy Halloween. So Dan breaks the TV with his feet and then frees himself with a piece of glass that he somehow retrieved tied up to that chair. Yeah, he was able to just pull some of the broken TV glass out. Cut Big ass shard, material. too. Yeah, it's a chunk. 
Uh, so he takes his mask and covers the camera with it before escaping through the vent. Yeah, one shot. He just throws it right up there. Perfect. It just goes right on one Not shot. Not only that, but what the like, fuck's the point? They, they know he's going to be out of there once they look up and see like a black you know, right. camera. They're gonna, Where they're did they're he gonna, go? They're going to come investigate one way or the other. He's already. But yeah, yeah and, he, and he's still kind of, his arms are still kind of tied a little bit, but he's able to like move the forearm enough to get a perfect shot. Does a little wiggle. To throw this mask right over the camera. Do a little shimmy. That's up about seven, eight feet up in the corner. So Cochran is alerted of Chalice's escape as we see him exit the vent and head back into the factory for Ellie. He manages to call his ex-wife, but she berates him when he tries telling her to take the take the mask from the kids, don't let them watch the shit. She calls him a drunk and then eventually hangs up. So Dan frees Ellie. And, and this the, is this is where I made a note again about another plot contrivance, but you can't expect much from a movie of this caliber. Literally, because it cuts to the, like, because you're, you know, you're waiting for that nine o'clock mark to get there. So it keeps cutting back and forth to the, you know, to the actual clock. Yeah. And from the time he gets into the air duct, in literally the span of 15 minutes, he gets in and out of the air duct, uses the phone, finds a girl, walks right in and frees her just because he's the highest paid dude on the fucking payroll. Because he's he's, child, he's Dr. Chalice. Dr. Dan, man. Dr. Dan he gets can that do shit no done. wrong. Like, Ellie's door's not even locked. He uh -huh. just walks right the fuck in. He's like, come on, Ellie, let's go. So he gets her, and then eventually Dan makes... Um, he finds a pen laying around when he gets back to the main room. Cochran and his techs are in. Um, he activates everything and then tosses a box of pins as they activate. Yeah, and Dan knows the computer system. Like, now all of a sudden, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's um, fluent in Linux, too. Because it's not like a regular keyboard. It's just it's, It looks like a keyboard, but it's literally a series of different numbers, like F9s and stuff. And he types the right shit in in the Stonehenge processing room, and... And they all activate. He right. tosses then, them all out, so they all the shoot out beams and yeah, destroy he, everything. He dumps a box of, like, you know, 200 pins <clears> on these guys, and everybody's getting zapped. And then suddenly, Stonehenge Rock begins glowing along with a circle around or near Cochrane. Yeah, like beams Cochrane's in between. Cochrane. Cochrane's head suddenly metal, and everything explodes. Yeah, he like turns into he goes from like metal to stone, and then just like evaporates. You know, then everything explodes. Now, and did you, Mandy pointed this out to me. Did you catch the overhead shot of the scientists that were all standing in a circle as, as soon as they, you know? They die from the chips. Were they lined up like stone? They're lined up like okay. stone. I figured. Yeah, I figured yeah. that. So overhead shot. The scientists yeah. are literally lined up like stone. I kind of figured they were doing that. Yeah. So, I dig this shot here. After they get out, after everything explodes and they get out, the glowing orange sky as the two run from uh, Silver Shamrock. You see the faculty in the back. The faculty. You see the factory in the background, and there's this like, glowing orange effect in the sky. It's obviously just put in there, but I still like it. It's, it's a cool effect. Yeah. In the car, Ellie's revealed to be a droid when she tries to kill Dan all of a sudden. After not saying a word, from the time that he picks her up and everything, she hasn't uttered a word. No, she hasn't. And this is why. And she's been all quiet. So he crashes into a tree and then falls out of the car. It's revealed that her arm was knocked off in the process. And this is what the scene that that kid on the school bus was telling me about. And I'm like, dude, that's yep. not a fucking Halloween movie. That never happened. Michael Myers arms didn't fall off chasing some dude through the woods then I he had to go back chase to her she but, doesn't chase him I mean. well, that's how it was described right, I, I got seen you. the, the kids are gonna be kids yeah, right kids like, yeah I like the part where the thing was chasing a guy down the hill in the woods and the, and the body parts kept she's coming approaching off. him without an arm so he takes a crowbar and then knocks her head off <laughs> um her arm then attacks him so he fights it off and then heads to the gas station from the film's beginning 
He gets in there right at nine o'clock. The car, the the, the channel is about to start the whole nine o'clock giveaway thing. And this is the time where there was only three channels on. Three channels. But he calls call. the stations, or well, the station. Calls he calls the station, station that runs all three channels. Right. It's and not like, you know, thirteen, eleven, and two. He like gets two of them properly taken off the air. Right at the split, last split. The third second. and the kids is still on, the and there's these. Dude, well, the, the, the kids come into this gas station all of a sudden. I guess it's the parents. Like, well, yeah, it's nine o'clock, and the parents are pumping up, and they go to a TV. So you can tell that they, they go to the first channel, and as they're starting the commercial, it goes off the air. So they turn the channel. Second like, one, second channel, same turn thing. Second channel off. Turn the second third channel. Off. He can't get it off. It's still going and going, and he's screaming to stop it, stop it. Stop it. And then the fourth time he says stop it, he looks at the screen as a nod to the invasion of the body snatchers, and that's how the film ends with him yeah. breaking the fourth wall. If it goes out, it means the death of millions of people, everyone watching. Don't you understand that? If, if, well, say it's a bomb, then say, say whatever you want. Say whatever you like. Just get it off the air. Please, you just... I, no, no, I can't prove it. You've got to believe me. Believe me. Take it off the air now, please. You've got to. It means... Here's a Tuesday interruption. We're having technical problems. Please stand by. It's time. It's time. We are experiencing technical difficulties. Please stand by. Our masks. Gather round your TV set. Put on your masks and watch. All witches, all skeletons, all jack-o'-lanterns. The third Gather commercial, it's still on. Please, watch take the off the third channel. The third channel, it's still running. Stop it, please. For God's sake, please stop it. There's no more time. You've got to... Please, stop it. Stop it now. Turn it off. Turn it off. Stop it. 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 That I is like that Halloween 3, Season of the, of the Witch. Witch. All right, so box office receipts. In the operational funds box, we will deposit 250000 American dollars. You take it out. We put more in. I want receipts. All right, guys, so Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, was released on October 22nd, 1982 from Universal Pictures. It opened up when... It opened up on 1,297 screens to 6.3 million, coming in at number two for the weekend. Second weekend drop was uh, 47.3%, 47. making 3.1 million, going on to gross 14.4 million worldwide against a $2.5 million budget. Yeah, it made them some money. It definitely made money, but not as much as Mustafa and Yablins wanted. Hence the... Eight year, no, wasn't even eight. It was six, six, six years in between six sequels. Years between um, and four, and that's why they <clears throat> deliberately like Halloween Four, Return of Michael Myers. Bring him back, exactly. Yeah, like fuck this, Irwin bring like, him um, back. Yeah, the, the 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 money machine is running out of gas. We need the premium diesel back <laughs> into the formula. Right, we got a whole lot to say about Halloween Four mm-hmm. on that episode next mm-hmm. month. Mm-hmm. Actually, Mandy's actually weeks. looking forward to that. She's. I'm looking she, forward to it. She, I like she Halloween loves, Four. She, that's her favorite. She just, whatever reason, she likes Danielle Harris in that movie. I've she always, I've 
Halloween Four has always been my second or third favorite of the series. So I'm, I'm looking you, forward. I to had it. it was when I did long before you know we met. My childhood home. I had you know towards the end of me living there. I had moved into the club basement. I had it all decked out. I mm-hmm. had a DJ booth and everything. And I had friends of mine worked at the theater. So you know I had stand. You know, buddy of mine's dad owned a video store. So I got all kinds of cool movie props and like I had a Halloween Four poster, a big one up. The one where she's standing there in the yeah the, the original the one, one sheet with the actual where, first. Mask, the one that's not even in the film. The, the, the that, and then there was a, it, um, the where she's in the clown costume that kind of blends into the knife. That's part five's poster. That's five's poster. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I had both of them up because that's know, awesome. Like I said my buddy, yeah, Skip Lee used to own a local video store, and that was fun because you know he bought it as a way to move the um, baseball cards him and his son invested in. And he didn't know much about running a little video store. In fact, it was local. It was over here by where Gershbacks is now. Um, and the cool part was I was out of the, our friend group. Like, Skip knew that Sean was the movie guy. So he would hand me these screener tapes that he was given in advance by the studios to determine how many he should bring in, into his mm-hmm. inventory. Right. I, I would, like, go there on a Saturday. He'd send me home with, like, four or five movies. He's like, go home and watch these. They're coming out in a month or two. Tell me what I should do, how many I should get. So I was like his advisor for a little bit <laughs> at the age of fucking 13 or 14. It was nice. Cool. Um, before we go on, I meant to do this category before we started uh, talking the plot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's another one of the Halloween exclusive ones. Um, and it's just an update on Halloween Kills. Yeah. Um, I kind of wanted to do little provide updates as the episodes came along as we get closer. Um, really, all we got as far as news front on Halloween Kills is last week we got a new pick that literally looks like the same pick that I've seen the last two or three new yeah, picks. It's, from, it's just him with article. one side of the mask. They're right. intentionally hiding his burnt side. Okay. It's one thing I noticed. It's it's the same old photo of Michael, but his burnt side is intentionally hidden. In shadow. Why are they being so secretive about it if it's just the same mask but with burns? That's what I want to know. Mm. So I think there's more to it because even the creator of the mask, um, Christopher Nelson, uh, he's part of the the podcast that I always talk about thing of two heads and even he said like he's being very coy about it and very secretive and it's no, like there's gotta be a reason he's mealing it out until we get the even the, the trailer scene. that they showed like the, the quick tail trailer that they put premiered on Halloween last year that was like a minute long they they're intentionally keeping masks the mask right, hidden so right. Now, Maybe um, there's more to it. I, I know, don't know. I know David Gordon Green directed. Was McBride involved with the script? They're all time? back. They're Everybody's all. back. Mm-hmm. Everybody's back. Yeah, that was like mm-hmm. at first felt like, man, what a misstep. These guys getting involved with the franchise. And I'm like, holy fuck, it's better idea than Rob Zombie ever had. Yeah. You know, absolutely. I was, I was pleasantly surprised with that. I'm glad I'm glad they're, you know, they're turning it into its own trilogy. I think it's fucking awesome. All right. You're going to go far, kid. You ain't going to believe this. Well, you used to fit right here. I'd hold you up. They say to your mother, this kid's going to be the best kid in the world. This kid's going to be somebody better than anybody ever knew. And you grew up good and wonderful. It was great just watching. Every day was like a privilege. So, I got one. Willie Chalice, the the son of Dan Chalice, because he's got the, the daughter and the son. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Played by Joshua John Miller. Joshua no. John Miller went on about six, seven years later to be character called Homer in my favorite vampire film Near Dark oh he was the child vampire he was, yeah, he was like was a thousand him. years that old him. that was him yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that is Joshua John yeah, that, yeah you Homer. turned me on to that years ago I got it around here somewhere I need to give it another I mean I've watched it twice I think um 
definitely a different feel on like it's Steve. Catherine Hardwick, right? No, that's Twilight. What am I thinking? Who's the director? Um, the director of this is another female. It's uh, Catherine Bigelow. Bigelow. That's what I'm... Okay, so I got the... You know, Hardwick did too. Twilight. We're right now. Which I, this I, is I, a rip-off. Twilight's a rip-off of, of Near Dark. For the most part, yeah. Yeah, it's... Right. And, I mean, we had... I think you and I had an extensive conversation with Lance Henriksen about that movie when when we got the tall film. Yeah, I'm a big um, fan of that film. Yeah, yeah. You turned me on to it. It was like, was, it wasn't... It, you know, it's definitely a cool horror film, but it's got an indie road trip like feel to it it's not a big it's glossy. adrian pascar bill bill paxton the late bill paxton yes Lance um, uh what's her name the the blonde that was in saint Jeanette, elmo's fire no uh, jeanette goldstein jeanette, gold, yeah jeanette goldstein because goldstein. Cam, cameron's wife's involved so Cameron's right. crew's gotta get joshua involved. john miller here played homer um and then uh jenny Jenny something, yeah. Jenny, yeah, girl. cute, kind of weird looking. I remember playing Rob Lowe's wife in St. Elmo's Fire. Yeah, Jenny, right? Jenny Wright. Yeah, Jenny Wright. Jenny Wright. That's, that's it. That's it. Yeah, I remember her from Young Guns too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah her yeah. and her ass. Yeah, yeah, because she's she's the one that rides naked through the town. Yep, exactly. That's why I yeah. said her and that ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all I remember about that film is her and that shit. Yeah, um. Yeah. So yeah, let's meet the cast. Hey, you guys. Everybody focus up, okay? All eyes here. I would like to announce that Ben and I are planning to produce a musical number from Godspell for the talent show tonight. <clears throat> I'm sorry, Ben is producing. I'm directing slash choreographing. I'm only speaking from personal experience, but if you can't carry a tune, don't come into the audition environment and waste our time. For serious, okay? Okay, and bring a lot of movement clothes, AKA jazz shoes, dance belts, lycras, et al. And seriously, FYI, you guys, this is not an excuse to get out of your regular activities. This is an excuse to do some good musical theater. So be prepared, be enthusiastic, and leave your bullshit attitude and baggage at the door, because we don't need it. So, Tom Atkins. Tom what a way to start this category. Yeah, I mean, Tom what's your favorite Tom Atkins like character? Creeps, uh, yeah, like I mean, it's, it's, it's so thrill me. Fun. Come on. You know, that film was exactly, because back then, you know, I think we talked about this Bullwinkle Moose. <laughs> yeah. The <laughs> shit that he calls him throughout right. the movie. Right. Back screaming then. like banshees. Is it like screaming like banshees? Um, no, like like I remember distinctively looking forward to that film simply because we didn't have the internet back then, but I was grabbing every month's copy of Fangoria. Yep. And they had, there was several articles. Back in the eighties and nineties, Fangoria was the Scoop magazine. Yep, that's what you got. Yep. And there were several articles on this, and then I remember because um, I don't, you know, if it, I, I definitely didn't go see that in the theater, but I remember walking into my local mom and pop video shop about a, a mile or so up from my house. So I walked up there one day, it was the summertime, and I look up and I'll be damned if Night of the Creeps isn't right there. Yep. You know, now I'm too young to rent it, but it was doubling as a fucking head shop and the two twin stoner girls, yeah. and rent, they didn't give a shit. They knew my people like, oh, it's, it's Sean, he can go ahead and rent a horror movie. I took it home, man, I must have watched it. I had it for maybe a day or two I must have watched that movie three or four times it was so much fun yeah because to me it was cool to see young um, Rusty Griswold from European Vacation you know playing Jason Lively and you know I think we've talked about this before you know uh, your dad knows him yeah well my dad knew my, and my dad Blake his, Lively's his sister half sister yeah my my their, their father Ernie Lively um graduated high school with my father right. and they came up together so they were 
you know, I actually got a condolence uh, from Ernie on social media a couple years ago. Oh, uh, really? From okay uh, regarding yeah, that, you know, because it word it word got through the class. I remember seeing Ernie pop up in American Pie too. He took he took his 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 um his deceased first wife's um, maiden name as his stage name because mm. the story goes is they were on their honeymoon and Ernie was like they were just happening they were vacationing and like you know they went to Disneyland or whatever and one of the attractions or you know side attractions there was something about like you know Ernie just stepped up for this screen test now granted right. I forget what he was doing he was working for a living back here but he took his wife on a honeymoon and he screen tests and he winds up getting these bit parts in Hardy's commercials Back then, there used to be a run of commercials for Hardee's that featured a, a stock car driver and his pit man, and Ernie was working as a pit man. Mm-hmm. And then I'll never forget, like, he would pop up, you know, in bit parts. Couple, there was a Steven Seagal movie. He's in the beginning of that movie. Um, um, what's what's the Mel Gibson, Robert Downey Jr. movie where they're... Um, Air America? Air America, yes, yes, yes. He's, he plays the helicopter pilot in the beginning of that that gets into argument with... With Mel Gibson, he shows up as a cop in the end of one of Steven Seagal movies. You know, always always knew that guy just because Dad be like, oh, "There's my buddy Ernie." His real name is Ernie Brown, but he took his his wife's name as a stage name, Lively, right. and then obviously Jason and Blake picked up on that. But yeah, it was pretty cool, man, to see you know a guy that That's I had cool. less than six degrees of separation from <laughs> showing up in Night of the Creeps. You know, and the fact that their dad gave me condolence a few years ago when dad passed away is pretty. I mean, if it ain't Cameron from Night of the Creeps, I'm a big fan of the Fall Guys and Nick Castle. That's who he plays his character's name, funny enough, is Nick Castle in the mm-hmm. Fog. Mm-hmm. I'd say that's a close second for me. But yeah, 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 the Fog would definitely be a close second, We could sit here for hours and talk about Tom we Atkins. Could, we could. He's a cool guy. We talk to him. He's, you know, he he knows what you know. Yeah. What, where's, what side his bread was buttered on, so he wasn't gonna knock it. Um. Talked about Stacey Nelkin, talked about Joshua John Miller, talked about Jonathan Terry, talked about Nancy Keys. Really, the only other person on this list here to really talk about is Dan O'Harely. Yeah, really. So, for me, RoboCop and RoboCop 2, oh, even yeah. though I know he's got like this big old school you know film career dating back like you know from the, the, the 40s and, thir- and stuff. Yeah. Um, he was like classically trained and stuff, and much like Donald Pleasance. You know, the work he was getting was now going to come from genre flex towards the twilight of his career. Right. And for me, I remember him from, like I said, the first two Robocops and Last Starfighter. Ah, you know what? I'm glad Justin brought that over for me last weekend when we recorded, and I've yet to pull the trigger on that again. Haven't seen that film probably since uh, when I had, you know, HBO back in the 80s or, or you know early now I've not watched mm-hmm. Last Starfighter since you know I was probably in high school so I'm going to be looking forward to that good I forgot he watch. was in that I, I only I only remember Robert Preston because I think we all know I'm a huge Robert Preston fan so I remember Robert Preston's character being in it but that and, and it's about you know a video game that tests intergalactic pilots it's all I know so I'm looking forward to getting back to it I'm looking at it right now thank you Justin Boyd I'm going to be digging into that soon nice alright this is Crew. Well, my friend, this is Crew. But don't even think about it. You don't look like you could hang, Jermaine. The name's Jamal, and I'll fuck your crew up. Who are they? Who are they? All right. So, so directed by Tommy Lee Wallace, who was pretty much the behind-the-scenes guy for the first Halloween film. Mm-hmm. They didn't come back for the sequel because mm-hmm. he was against the whole 
bringing him back. This Michael Myers thing. Yeah, yeah. He he wanted to pursue the anthology right. angle that that. He was approached to direct part two. And I know we talked about. Right, that. exactly. The previous episode, Halloween two guys, check it out. Yeah, he did, he didn't want to do it because he was on board with Carpenter. And like Hill. I said, top he of the episode, they brought him in because of he liked the anthology idea, so they gave him you know they let him polish up the script. Gave him sole writing credit again, whatever. Directed by, talked about, produced by Deborah Hill and Mike and John Carpenter already. Edited by Millie Moore. Music by John Carpenter and Alan Howarth. I, like we said, big fans of this score. Mm-hmm. The synth. It works. Uh, it works. It works. And this will be the last time Carpenter and Howarth will work together because, uh, as we will find out in Halloween 4, Alan Howarth continues the, the franchise uh, solo mm-hmm. uh, incorporating score music that Carpenter already established and rounding out the crew here we have Dean Cundy returning for the third outing although this will be his last Halloween outing unfortunately um, and it definitely looks and feels like a Dean Cundy shot Halloween film mm-hmm. uh, it, there's something about the first three films of the, of the Halloween franchise even though the third one has nothing to do with the other two they all at least have a, a certain feel and, and like a and, uh, like and a signature law shooting exactly to, to the shot exactly and that's because of Cundy right after this he would go on to work two years later with um, Robert Zemeckis for or, I'm sorry, three years later, Robert Zemeckis for Back to the Future, mm-hmm. and that's when his career really took yeah, off. Yeah, he put that on his CV, and he just, you know, was, he couldn't, he couldn't, the work was just coming at him left and right. Because he went on to do Jurassic Park from mm-hmm. there, too. Mm-hmm. So, shot all three Back to the Futures, and then Jurassic Park, and yeah, and the guy his career kind of dwindled down. Like I said before, his last major motion picture that he shot was fucking Jack and Jill for Adam Sandler. Yeah. But, when you have a career like that man has, you, you, can, have, you, you can afford a few mistakes. You can you whatever you know. Yeah. You've got yeah. carte blanche to do whatever mistakes you want to make. Right. All right. So biggest takeaways, Mr. Madison, what you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. You go first. Um, I mean, look, I don't. I've got I don't mind it. I don't hate this film. I respect it for what it is. It's you know, it's early '80s schlock. You know, it's definitely a different story. It's got a bunch of huge plot holes in it that no low budget eighty horror, '80s horror movie should be held the task to have to you know fill in and address. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, and I get what they were doing was trying to spin the franchise in a different direction. I think this film, you know, in hindsight, and I'm not saying upon initial release, but maybe remove the Halloween from the title, it could have gotten, it could have reached. I think more of an audience because I think a lot of people may have even I think the Halloween title gave I think Halloween putting that leaving that title in there did it favors well I'm not saying I don't think it would have made the 14.4 it did I'm not I'm I'm not saying it did it a complete disservice because it brought you know put more asses in the seats on the initial run yeah but then give and take there was I'm sure there was you know once those people came out of the theaters there was word of mouth that hey don't bother with this it's not 
got nothing to do with Michael Myers in Haddonfield. And we saw that. It, it lasted three weekends. The third weekend, it got pulled from theaters. Right, because, because and, and so how many people have yet, have know about it, but have yet to watch it based on that stigma? Right. But if it weren't for that stigma, <laughs> right. they, if it could have been titled something completely different, they may have experienced it as a big box genre, early 80s horror flick that they would have rented growing up. You're right. Okay. Uh, for me, I got several here I put down here. So I'm going to just kind of rapid fire through them all. One we, already talked, one we already talked about. Atkins, one of the best. Mm. Fucking love that man. Um, no filler. It's a breeze to get through. Mm-hmm. This movie is such just a fucking one, breeze. Again, they just they get to the next spot because the script right. them too. They just get you there. Um, so something that I said, something that I said at the top of the episode that you disagreed with, I'm still going to say it again. Mm. Better than a lot of Halloween sequels, mm. and mm. I have here finally the brutality of this movie. The fucking death scenes really deliver. They really do. I mean, there's only two or three that that. I mean, everything else is kind of hokey finokey to me. But the but Marge's de- death, the decapitation, Buddy's death, the decapitation, the um, um. Well, there's your three. There you go. That's Boom. that's it. There's, there's no the the, the 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 guy in the hospital. Well, the, the yeah, four. yeah. That was that, that was that was that was. Come on, four it. good deaths or four yeah. good deaths? Yeah, you you felt it. You're not you gonna, felt it. You ain't gonna you, find four yeah. good deaths in Hollow Man. Mm, true, true. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'll agree with you there. It's not, they're 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 not as over the top as I would have wanted. I want a little more gore out of my R-rated horror flick, especially dated what 82, 83. 82. 82. So I expect a little more blood out of that. Now, granted, I got some in Marge's zapped face and you know the Harbinger's yanked off head, um, but I could have used a little more of that at least than when they pinched the nose from underneath. Right. In the fucking hospital room. It's a gnarly fucking. That way is to go. A, yeah, it's a gnarly way to go. I forgot that that happened until watching it last night. Alright, um, finger licking good. It's finger licking good. Uh, I honestly don't have one because the mm. entire film's a breeze to get through, like I right. said. And if nothing, I had. Nothing stands out. If I had to choose call. one, it would probably be the tour scene solely for O'Hare Lahey's performance slash scenery chewing perf- uh, shit alone. Like, yeah, like he's just. He's almost like the, you know, the, 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 uh, the murder culprit in a Columbo I can episode. watch that. I can just listen to that guy talk for hours. he's going to get away with it and he's right. smarter than everybody else in the room. Right. So it doesn't matter what he tells you, you're never going to catch Colonel Cochran. Right. So is that in the boat you're in? Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing that super stands out to me from this flick. I mean, yeah, watch it last night. It's going to be several years before I go back to it again. It's not one that I revisit a lot, but I've probably seen it at least 12 times in my life. Um... You want to guess the body count for this movie? Nah. There are a number out there. What's the body um, count? 22. 21. Ah, yeah, shit. see? All right, all right. 21, look at that. And finally, mulligan moment. If you had to do it all over again, would you make the same choices? The drill in the Emmy's office. Yeah, Teddy's death scene. It happens off screen, unlike the other gnarly deaths, and there's made more no sense there was a bone saw. and there's no room for reaction for it because it occurs so late in the film. Right, and he used, it happens, and then they get the it, finale, and, and they obscure, they they obstruct it because you see him kneel down, but you know she's obscured there's, there's by like no the corner of the counter, yeah. so you just see him push a drill down. It's almost like they had 
the film completed and they were like, fuck, we got what this we Teddy do? character. Yeah, we forgot the What name. are we going to do? Yeah, we got to wrap Teddy up. Let's just get a guy in a suit, put him in the other room, and then have this death scene. Yeah, get the drill, from, off, get get the the drill, drill from the carpenter over there all so set. we had no effects. Okay, we don't need effects. We we'll got just, magic I'll, of I'll, cameras. Yeah, I'll, I'll block it. I'll block it with the corner of a desk. I, yeah, it's, it just throat Compared to the other fucking moments when people get killed yeah, in, in the brutalist ways. Yeah, it's least effective. This is like... Come on, really, yeah. guys? Did you run out of movie? Oh, movie? Did you run out of money? Like, right. what happened? Yeah, there's there's no impact to it whatsoever. All right. And final <laughs> thoughts. Um, like I said, I enjoy it. You know, it's it is what it is. It's if you take the if you, if you take the the Halloween out of it, it stands alone as just a weird, obscure sci-fi horror movie from the early '80s. Would have been one of those big box like if Mustafa Khan didn't want involved in it. I'm pretty sure Menahem Golden and Yoram Globus would have thrown some money at it and slapped the Canon Films, you know, logo on the <laughs> yeah, side of that true, box true. and put that story out either way. What do you prefer, this or Halloween Resurrection? Which one is Resurrection? I get confused with the with Trick the or treat, one motherfucker. Sometimes. Oh, the one with Busta. Boston Rhymes? Yeah. Um, Christ, I've only seen that the one time and I just remember not liking it, but I've seen this so many times that, like, I didn't like it, I did, I didn't <laughs> like it, I did. So I couldn't answer that until I actually ask me again when we get to Halloween Resurrection. Well, what, on what, the show. what we'll probably do after we're done covering all the films is probably do like an episode where we talk about like we, we break down our favorites. We'll do like a little like a position like episode, a, yeah, a little like a top ten or whatever, or top yeah, twelve. Yeah, because again, are. it was so 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 fucking contrived the idea right. that and Buster <clears> being like a gangster Michael Myers. I mean, killer. it was a film. It's a product of its time, two thousand two, early technology of webcams and stuff, and that's what the film consists of. Yeah. Is really dated. Like, yeah, very, very camera dated, shots. Yeah, very dated plot devices right. that, that that don't hold up twenty years later. Um, for me. I'm a fan of this. Like I said, uh, I guess a little bit bigger than Sean here, but um, love the deaths, love seeing Atkins, love the fact that, and we didn't talk about this in the episode either, we forgot to mention this, like love the fact that they took a chance. They did. They Universal did. and everyone, like they, they some of, not everyone wanted to go down this route, but ultimately they still did. Right. And I got to, you know, applaud them, tip my hat to them for trying at least. Right. Um, in the end, I ain't mad at it. I've had a complete turnaround over the years um, with this movie because, I, like I said, I used to hate this and never gave it the time of day. And now I'm happy that I'm a little more mature and, and able to give things another chance. Yeah. And I'm happy I did with this because yeah. it's really come around with me. So, um, yeah, thumbs up from this guy. Um, this episode is sponsored by Don Post Mass, just because. <laughs> of course, why not? All that being said, this film definitely gets the film effects seal of approval, and that'll bring things home for this edition of the show. One down, many more to follow. We will be back next week to give you... A two-part episode. Yes, it was big. We guys. did Casino last week, guys. We recorded it on Saturday. Yeah, a few about three days ago. Ed and Justin came. It to felt my like place. the episode took three days to record. We, we made, talked for so long. We made a fucking day out of it. We had some fun. You guys will see it bleed through on the on the. Remember, podcast. good fellas, and it's about that length. It's probably going to be a little bit longer. It's be a little bit longer, and that's why I'm going to break this into two. I'm not going to put you guys through a five-hour episode in one sitting. There's, there's not a lot. We want to cut. I want to give you guys definitely got process. a better vibe because all three of us were sitting here right. in the room together for the first time in probably three to four years at least. 
doing what we love to do, which is talk about these movies. And yeah, you guys are in for a treat. So, so yeah, uh, what I'm thinking, Monday, part one, and then I, I'm thinking Wednesday, Thursday, maybe even Friday, give you guys part two. So you're going to get two new episodes. You're getting week. two new episodes. One, you're one getting titles. three. This will be the third for this week. Next right. week, you're getting two, if you think about it. Even though it's the same episode, just broken in half, it's still... Yeah, you yeah. can look at it as two episodes if you want, even though yeah. I'm not going to label it two episodes. It's one. Um, and then the following week, we'll be back with, um, like we said, global hunting, and then uh, planet, not planet, phantom thread, and then uh, rounding out June, we've got um, Hateful Eight as well as Halloween Four, mm-hmm. the, return, the return of Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. So that'll be the last week of June. And yeah, before we get out of here, I just want to let you guys know that you can check out our ever-growing collection of previous episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, Pocket Cast, and wherever else you enjoy your favorite shows. We're on social media. First, Facebook and Instagram. We're at, Sean? The Film Effect Podcast. And how about that Twitter handle? That's going to be Film Effect Pod. And email address, what is it? The Film Effect Podcast at gmail.com. And I also want to let you guys know we have a merch store, and that URL is tpublic.com slash user slash Film Effect Podcast. I just learned recently, if you don't put in the user part, you're not going to get shit. It's easier to just go through the link on... We had the link. Every episode has the link in the notes, so So you can find it there. Grab some merch. Grab the link off of one of our social media pages. But, yeah, we got shirts, coffee mugs, pillows, tapestries, magnets, stickers, hoodies, all sorts of shit, guys. Check it it out. We put our name on it. Different designs. It's June. We have a limited run of of um. We have a pride design out there. Yeah, it did a nice pride design. For we've got this month. exactly, and we've got you know it's a lot of things going. Um, like I said before, uh, proceeds from that pro the profit and proceeds from that pride design will be going to an LBGTQ community uh, um charity charity. Thank you, Sean. And um, yeah, it's so a good things all around. So. Until next week with a two-part episode with Casino, Sean. All right, guys. We'll see you all next time when those theater lights go dim and the opening credits begin to roll. I've been Ed, and that's been Sean. It's been fun, but now it's done. All right, guys. Take care. Check you later. Check you later. It's almost time, kids. The clock is ticking. Be in front of your TV sets for the horathon, and remember the big giveaway at nine. Don't miss it, and don't forget to wear your masks. The clock is ticking. It's almost time. Happy Halloween! 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 Happy Halloween! Halloween! Super Shamrock! Happy Halloween! 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 Happy Halloween! Super Shamrock!